A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hopefully milk won't turn on me this week. <laughs> Come on to the rock show. Come on to the people's show. Come on to the premiere show, SmackDown! It's the 10th of February, the year of our Lord 2000. Gabrielle's rise, when it goes, And now I'm ready to rise again, is the number one in the charts. Look at my uh, life, look at my it. heart, I have seen all apart. Now I'm ready to rise again, clearly I remember... Pecking on the boy. Sorry, I drifted into Jeremy <laughs> by Pearl Jam. <laughs> Hello, my happened. friend. We meet one again. Uh, <laughs> oh, we unleash the lion. Uh, <laughs> and I'm ready <laughs> to unleash the lion. <laughs> Someone mashed that up immediately. Um, sorry, I think carry we just on. did. <laughs> carry on. Mashed sir. up, then ran our. <laughs> Double Jeopardy is still number one in the box office. Could tell you what happens in the film if you gave me a $1 bill. Greg Dyke has taken over as Director General of the BBC, which is important to some people and no one cares the rest of the planet. And all the cool kids were playing The Sims. Oh, is this when The Sims came out? Amazing. It is. And if it's anything like my little brother who got one of those semi-legal packs that had all the DLC. This was done back then. It's like to stole all of it. And then my dad came to use the PC a week later and went, why does nothing work? <laughs> oh, hang on. I have zero memory free. <laughs> because ha- hat pack number 16 is taking up the last bit of space. <laughs> I have to say that uh, during this isolation period, uh, my good lady has been absolutely rinsing the Sims, the original release of the Sims. Um, she famously pulled an all-nighter in the first week of isolation, where I, I said good night about I was up, but sleepy one night. I went and said I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go to bed. Good night. I'll leave it, leave it to play the Sims a bit longer. And that was a half nine. Woke up at six in the morning, and there she was, still playing. A trooper. A trooper with the Sims. Sharon Osbourne has quit as manager of the Smashing Pumpkins after only three months. In a brash press release, she announces she had to resign for medical reasons. Billy Corgan was making me sick. (laughs) That's not very nice. It's funny, though. But that was always happening in that silly world of reality. In the little world of wrestling, there was a little company known as WWF, and they had an ickle show called SmackDown. But what happened on that show? Where is the WWF now? Is Chris Benoit still wrestling? <laughs> the answers to all these questions and more can only be found on the classic SmackDown review 
joined by myself, Matthew Botchmania, and the Dox Hendricks of Cultaholic himself, <laughs> Mr. Tom Campbell. I think you'll find the answer to the last question can be found on the new series of Dark Side of the Ring. What? He killed Dino Bravo? <laughs> oh, Christ. No, he won the Brawl for All. Oh, silly me. <laughs> How are you, Matthew Gregg? I'm very good. I'm just trying to fix clean feed and make sure it's okay because right now it's just saying I'm being very loud so I'm going to ruin the momentum we've just created <laughs> by taking down. a step Now the back. trick with that is let's do a little, hey, let's do admin. We're all friends here. Let's do admin. Uh, Cultaholic Classic admin review. Uh, if you go into the control panel on your mic and just lower uh, your mic volume that should fix it. I think I'll just do that just a bit because I am quite passionate when it comes to my Smackdown. I don't like it going red. Um, <laughs> also it says use browser setting. I haven't selected the expensive microphone I have and I hope it's coming through or oh, that'd be a waste of money it sounds me I mean whatever microphone you're using now it sounds lovely I'll assume it means that rather than ruining everything wow such exciting news there in the real world Tom but <laughs> add I'm some, not add quite some brilliant it. admin thank you oh no the admin <laughs> speaks for itself but Tom if only there was somebody on this show who could fill us in with what was happening in the dirty dark world of professional wrestling well Oh, God, Tom, I felt that. Oh, cracking my fingers in anticipation. <laughs> ah. Um, well, Matthew Gregg, here we are back in the year of our Lord 2000. I have uh, some notes around this time as plucked from the bosom of Dave Meltzer via his newsletter for the week around this period. So um, this particular day that we are uh, covering on SmackDown this week in the year of our Lord 2000, um, Vince McMahon very much on the push for the XFL. So it's appropriate and sort of ironic that this is the, 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 the in this time we are talking about the birth of the XFL when so many people are talking about sort of the fallout of the death of the XFL the second time round. Uh, so Vince McMahon uh, was on the Fox News Network on the morning of this episode of SmackDown's airing with Paula Zone uh, promoting the XFL. Uh, according to Dave, he handled himself pretty well, but you could see that she seemed to lose respect for him when he said there would be absolutely no drug testing in the XFL. Oh, I remember that little aspect. <laughs> he was also on KB, KNBR Radio in San Francisco, again promoting the XFL. He talked about having cameras in the huddles, on the sidelines, on the cheerleaders, and in the locker rooms as well. And he was very much on the attack of the press that had insulted him, and the, and the presenters were sort of egging him on a little bit. Very much sounding like Donald Trump does now. So you can see how they became bedfellows. What is your memories of... Uh, the, the big XFL push from this time, Matt. I remember not thinking too much about it because I've never been an NFL guy. I'm sorry, I know people around the world listen to this. It doesn't transfer to me. It doesn't. It's not, it's not I, a UK thing, is it? Really? Well, Tom, it didn't used to be, but in the last few years, all of my mates have gotten into it, and I'm watching it going, this is... All I'm watching it is going, if they cut out all the advert breaks and all the... Whatever Tom's doing right now, rubbing the microphone. I'm just putting a um, cover over my mic. I'm muffling my fine. mic. Is it cold? <laughs> it's just a little bit cold, mate. There you go. Then they could do this in half the time. You know, really but could. it's it's fine. I don't begrudge you. I think I'm still salty as a child reading, you know, 
old Sega Mega Drive magazines like Megazone and Megatech and all the rest. And it's like, what was the number one rated game that year? Was it Aladdin? Was it Sonic 3? Was it any other game I owned? Was it Buggery? It was Madden 93. <laughs> Despite the fact it's about as popular back then in 93 as badger baiting was as a sport. <laughs> so, but funny anyway. You funny you mentioned video games, actually, because uh, in this particular time period, we are just a few days away from the release of ECW Hardcore Revolution. The video game, ECW, Extreme Championship Wrestling, branching out into video games. So Acclaim have been booted uh, from making WWF games. Uh, so they've moved on to someone new. And all of this feels a bit like when you see your ex and suddenly they're dating someone who looks like a slightly uglier version of you. It's <laughs> really what this felt God, like. God, that's a relatable feeling there, Tom. Uh, the, the, the thing is with these games is a few of the casual fans were upset with acclaim because some major features had been removed from it fans uh, who were like non like casual proper wrestling fans knew the crack but casual fans were like hang on where's i like doing royal rumble where's the royal rumble mode where's the survivor series mode and they had to awkwardly explain um those are wwf things not ecw things um we've got three-way dance yeah but we had that in the other game it was called triple threat but anyway so the game was coming out um, fast forward to a couple of days and uh, the reviews are already in. Uh, um, Daniel Erickson, uh, who reviewed the N64 version for Next Gen magazine, he rated it one star out of five, stating one of the few games to inspire active anger and hate. Just having to handle the cart with our bare fingers made us feel dirty. Wow. <laughs> Uh, he also reviewed the Dreamcast version and said it was a blatant insult to the intelligence of wrestling fans and Dreamcast owners. <laughs> not say what favorable. you see. Oh, not favourable at all. Did you own ECW Hardcore Revolution? I rented it uh, from Blockbusters long after the fact. And I'm not sure why you're saying there wasn't those uh, match types. There is uh, staggered battle royals like the Royal Rumble in name only. And there is eight-man tag. But I don't know why people are saying that. Maybe I think... some, maybe some versions then had them taken out. That's the only oh, thing maybe I can presume. Yeah, you know what? That's fair enough. That probably is the case. And I'm pretty sure the Game I... Boy Color version didn't have that, <laughs> oh. <laughs> which there was, by the way. The Game Boy Color version didn't have left. <laughs> uh, but your, what was your when you rented it? So did you rent this from Blockbuster? This yes. is a blockbuster weekend type thing. Oh, it was yes. Uh, your thoughts on just it, to, just to make myself seem five hundred years old. Yes, <laughs> and to give context for people who weren't playing games at this time period, the overall consensus was we all loved WF Warzone. We all really loved Attitude until WrestleMania two thousand came out, and suddenly Attitude looked just ancient. It looked archaic almost. So when Acclaim released ECW Hardcore Revolution, I think a lot of reviewers were felt the same as myself. Not only did it not have the, the coolness of having X-Packs, suck it, suck it, suck it entrance, but it also was exactly the same as it was a year ago. There'd be no change or upgrade other than the fact that, oh, it's Jerry Lynn as opposed to a Kane. <laughs> and it really, even though they did Anarchy Rules after this and added some new features and stuff, they did nothing nothing to upgrade this or change it it was just like wait a minute you this is the same game 
It's the same style. It's the same thing. There'd be no changes. And it was getting into EA territory here, quite frankly. But I do like the fact, because we all enjoy hustles when we're not involved in it or losing money ourselves, that Acclaim ended up owing money. To, no, sorry, big upon. ECW ended up owing Acclaim money when they came to the bankruptcy procedures. <laughs> so somehow Acclaim got the license for ECW to sell ECW products and they ended up owing about $2 million to ECW. I said that wrong again, didn't I? But anyway. I see what you're saying. So ECW owed Acclaim $2 million somehow. Yes, after Acclaim had gone to them to make money with their product. <laughs> the bottom line with Hardcore Revolution, um, had it been a mod, it would have been applauded. The mm. fact that it was a full-scale video game release, it was dejected. Yes, I do enjoy uh, remember N64 magazine reviewing it and being like, a lot of people go, what the hell is ECW? And they just rated people on what they look like. It was like... I like Roadkill because he's Amish. Oh, Christ. I like Axel Rotten because he has an amazing mullet. You know, it, it, that was it, because what else did they have to go on? They barely knew the WF guys. And, yeah, not a not one you should hunt out. Anarchy rules, maybe, push comes to shove, but really, it's, it's just amazing how something can look nice, and you think, that's great, and that's fine, until something way better comes along. Like, uh, oh, I don't know. How everyone loved Taz for exactly two weeks, oh. and then the radicals showed up. Oh, there's a there's a bit oh, there's a bit about Taz in this week's SmackDown that I, I have opinions on, which I'm quite excited to share. with oh, you. Oh, goody! Well, that's what people are listening for. So, what else is in the news, Tom? WCW is having a flipping awful time, mate. Oh, it is li- like the, it never rains; it pours, and it is absolutely pissing it down in East, in WCW right about now. Um, let's start at the top. Sabu meant to sign uh, for for WCW, set to appear on Nitro uh, the week after this SmackDown airs, but uh, they've had some uh, issues uh, with his visa, from what I understand, or some, there is an issue with his future in in the US. So WCW is forced to drop all plans uh, due to his contract with ECW. Uh, there is a clause in it which calls for a filing both with Paul Heyman and with the court in Westchester County in any claim of breach. So basically, WCW has said, all right, we're not willing to buy him out of his contract. We don't want him that badly. So any plans featuring Sabu have been shelved. That doesn't sound like a major problem. We can work that out. Oh, strap in. Let's talk Scott Hall. Oh. Oh, Right. Scott Hall, who despite his track record, was going to feature in the main event of WCW's pay-per-view on the 20th of February. It was going to be, was it, and it will end up being Scott Hall versus Sid Vicious versus Jeff Jarrett for the World Heavyweight title. Uh, he was getting on a plane to Germany on the night this SmackDown aired. And, uh, and according to Dave Meltzer, Scott appeared as if he hadn't slept in days. He got sick on the plane going over and was in no condition to perform on the first night of the tour. And there were incidents apparently every single night of the WCW tour. There was there was fights in bars, uh, Scott Hall just being a drunk nightmare. There was a story where he threw a cake at his girlfriend. He was constantly whinging and just getting hammered and feeling a bit sorry for himself. He was no fun to be around. As he went to the airport to fly home with the rest of the crew at the end of the tour... That's uh, that's, uh, my my personal train service driving past right now. Um, His condition got so bad that they wouldn't allow him to fly. Terry Taylor tried to smooth things over 
uh, but to absolutely no success. As a result of this, uh, Scott Hall had to miss the flight home with the WCW guys, and he missed the show at the Nassau Coliseum. But don't worry, don't worry, he did still headline the pay-per-view. WCW weren't that mad with him. <laughs> Scott Hall was a, 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 a terrible, terrible situation at this point. Um, doesn't Scott Steiner news? Oh, um, yeah, let's keep it happy. <laughs> Scott Steiner's been suspended from WCW for a shoot promo. Do you remember the promo in question? <sighs> My God, yes. This is yeah, all happening flair. in the same time period. The yeah, same it's, it's amazing. The drama going on WCW right now is far more interesting than the product. Uh, let's hear from the key bits. He comes out. And says, well, Flair, you're responsible for helping WWF because when you showed up on TV, everyone switched over to watch Steve Austin instead, which is amazing to hear someone just casually drop in the competition and saying, Flair, you stole Buddy Rogers' gimmick and considering all the money you made from stealing his gimmick, you still never got your teeth fixed. <laughs> Does he not make a comment as well when he says about switching over to watch Steve Austin? A guy that you fought, you got fired from WCW because W and everybody's switching over to watch the WWF because WCW sucks. That's all I forgot. Yeah, because WCW <laughs> sucks, and the crowd cheered. And I don't know where he's getting Flair got Austin fired. That's a thing. But Steiner hates Flair, hates him with a passion, has hated him ever since I believe was it ninety two, maybe earlier. Scott Steiner was having a push. And he had a singles match. He had two of them, but the important one was against Flair at Clash of Champions. And I think Lance Storm does a bit, he had an old video about it and going, look, I'm with Steiner here. Flair does some things in that match that Flair never does that can only be interpreted as either he was pulling a Scott Hall or he was deliberately trying to make Steiner look bad. And this was like Steiner's... I mean, he wasn't going to be headlining anyway at that point because he insisted on being a tag guy because he didn't want his brother losing his momentum, which is very nice of him. But still, Steiner showed up to work and work a main event. And it, it Flair versus Steiner, whatever, it was should be like an awesome five-star amazing match because Steiner was so good. It's not. <laughs> what who, was... do you think, who do you think holds a grudge over someone over that? What was Scott Steiner's punishment for this particular infraction? Oh. <laughs> But it clearly wasn't enough because we're not that far off uh, having the real fight with DDP backstage. Was it suspended with pay? Suspended with pay. Huh? He basically <laughs> got furloughed on Germany. full wage. <laughs> Jeez. We are so angry with you. Take a week off holiday. <laughs> yeah. Um, it doesn't get any better. Harrison Norris, Bobby Walker, and Kazuo oh, Ono file God. a racial discrimination discrimination lawsuit against World Championship Wrestling on the 11th of February in federal court in Atlanta, Georgia. The lawsuit claims all three were forced to portray demeaning stereotypical roles as minorities in pro wrestling and not allowed to get roles reserved for white performers. They also claim white performers earn more money than their minority counterparts. The suit claims WCW violated federal racial discrimination laws, humiliated minority performers, and created a hostile work environment. Your, your memory's on this, Matthew. Uh, going through the names again, Sonny Ono didn't get the, the main event push. All right, because he was a manager, and his gimmick was he was bringing in the Japanese guys to, you know, rule or whatever. Uh, that couldn't have been a main event unless we were going to get 
Hogan versus Ultimo Dragon. Okay, hard hard body, hard boiled. Jesus, hard body <laughs> Harrison. Hard boiled Haggerty. That's exactly that's exactly what he said. <laughs> hard body Harrison uh, had a very brief push on stuff like Saturday Night and WWE Main Event. Then had a match on Nitro where he blew every spot. So I don't know who he's trying to kid that he only reason he didn't get a push was because he was black. And who was the third name? Uh, it was Bobby Walker. What? Bobby who's, who's Bobby Walker? <laughs> he was the other person. Ovs. Now, <laughs> now here's another little bit of the lawsuits. Oh no! Wait a minute. Hard work. Wait a minute. Hard work. Bobby Walker. Was he the one who messed? I think he was. Which hard one was? Work. Who was Hard Body Harrison then? Hard Body Harrison, <laughs> Bobby Walker, and Kazuono and Sonny and Sonny Ono. That's the names. The I Dave's think got. I've been. I think I've mixed up Hard Body Harrison and Bobby Walker because they both have hard in their name. Hard work <laughs> and hard body. And they both were obviously hard work because Hard Body Harrison had a dishonorable discharge from the friggin' Marines. Um, Interestingly, yeah. well, one of, them, one of them was one of them left an impact and the other one I can't remember. So, however, I forget. I wish I had the details in front of me. This was one of these things where they looked at, most people looked at it and went that's ridiculous they just weren't good enough to be met benoit and raven and ddp weren't headlining right now but the, these guys that thought they didn't get pushed that's ridiculous until there were um i'm not sure if it was minutes or office um what they call meetings or stuff bits of Min- paper. minutes of a meeting yeah that were around in atlanta that had Pretty friggin' racist stuff written on them. Oh, jeez. I, I wish I had all the... This is just me remembering stuff from, from my memory. That's how you remember things, Matthew. But <laughs> if I had them there... So on paper, it looked like they were just three guys going, hey, let's make some easy money here for no reason. Because, jeez, hard body, Harris, hard body, hard-boiled, hard-work Harrison Walker. All right, cool. Um, but they may have had a point. Uh, they may have not been not necessarily in one bit of WCW, the, the TV bit, but backstage in some of the offices, the sure as hell were. And no one has said officially what happened, but there's been some nudges and winks and basically, yes, they got paid very well. Which in the case of Ono and Walker, all right, fair enough. In the case of Harrison's depressing because he's, I think he's still currently in prison for human trafficking. Oh, good. So he's a, he's a, he's a well-rounded figure then. Yeah, could have a little nicer guy. <laughs> So, do you have any memories of this, Tom, or is this all news to you? Well, I knew of this happening, and I and I thought it was uh, quite a wild time. But one thing I didn't know until I researched it was the other thing that the performers were looking for, and this is and they, and this is interesting now, twenty years on, considering some of the conversations that have been had as of late. The performers in question are also suing, claiming that wrestlers should receive the status of company employees and not independent contractor status, which would enable them to receive workman's compensation benefits. Ah. So given this is the fact that was a conversation that was happening 20 years ago. Right. Given the fact that WCW was such a huge organisation, the cynic in me says they added that. So, you know when you get a job offer and you want 20 grand... Oh, so yeah. you ask for 30. Oh, absolutely. And they go, we're not going to give you 30. We'll give you, I don't know, 21. You're like, oh, okay. I guess I'll be happy with that. <laughs> I think that's that. We want money for racial discrimination. 
Uh, also, we should probably be employees. Hey, how would you like a sack of racial discrimination money? Yeah. Um, but that's just ah, cynic so like in a, me because... A sweetener, you know, for lack of a better term. Absolutely. You know, I imagine if Hogan tried to do that in the 2000, they go, all right, Hogan, <laughs> let's hope they're doing Thunder in Paradise 2. And so with this, I also just remember off the top of my head, as sometimes these things take a few seconds, Russo came along and he did that interview where he said, not as Vince Russo, the character, because that wasn't a thing right now on TV. He said stuff like, I'm an American. I want to watch Americans. I don't give a damn about the foreign wrestling. That, <laughs> Basically, yeah, he gave them a blank this was, check. This was quoted in Power Slam. I remember yes, that's how this. I remember it. I don't care about the Mexican wrestlers. I want to see the American guy. <laughs> that's, yeah. a, that's incredible. What, what, what blinkered thinking. And so he you know, took off his... Right, Sonny Ono took off his shades. It was just dollar signs, like in Tom and Jerry. <laughs> uh, we'll keep tabs on that as that one is rolling on. And uh, just to wrap up, WCW Bants. Uh, you won't be surprised to know that the locker room morale is at an all-time low. Uh, not just because of all the stuff that's going down and all the uh, un unsettled punishment for terrible people, uh, but uh, Hulk Hogan has upset the morale as well after making comments on lo on radio shows about how Billy Kidman uh, wouldn't be able to draw in the main event of a flea market wrestling show. Uh, now, this will play into a company-wide storyline in a short while. But at this point, Hulk Hogan, uh, basically running down the younger guys in the locker room, surprisingly destroyed the morale of the locker room. <laughs> I mean... He's right, but you don't have to say it, Hogan. And he's right. Billy Kidman didn't even main event for ECWA. Like, but sadly, that I'm not mad at Hogan for saying that. I'm mad that, that that's why we got the Kidman-Hogan feud. It's very uh, true. For all it's worth. I'm going to end the reflections on a high. One nice quick note for you. Uh, Great Sasuke and Ultimo Dragon have announced this week uh, that they are putting together the first Super J Cup since 1995. Going to take place uh, on the 1st of April in Sendai. The final's happening on the 9th of April at Tokyo Sumo Hall. Some of those names in the tournament include Jushin Thunder Liger, the Great Sasuke, Tiger Mask, Kaz Hayashi, Gran Hamada, Chiba, Curryman, and Men's Teo. I to, it was a good one. Mm. Super Cup, uh, Super Super Cup, Super J Cup 2000 for the SNES. Obviously, <laughs> Ultimo Dragon didn't wrestle on that though, which is interesting to see. He was one of the reasons it got started, um, because that year it was hosted by Michinoku Pro. Um, so yeah, Sima, Gran Hamada, all those other ones. Yeah, it's a good one. It's, nice. They one. never really, in my opinion, reached the '94 levels because that's one of the greatest and most important events that's happened in that year but there were still good events uh, before we hand over to you to take over and talk to us about Smackdown from this particular year of our Lord tiny little bit of admin that we missed from last week which I think is is so important <laughs> it's worth a little nod bless you the start of this show before the cameras were on students from the Shawn Michaels Wrestling Academy had some tryouts since they're in Texas so Lance Cade Shooter Schultz, Spanky, a.k.a. Brian Kendrick, and American Dragon, Brian Danielson, were in a WWF ring at this point in the year of our Lord 2000. The WWF offered all four of them developmental contracts. All but Cade, who is in Japan on a tour for FMW, went on to sign them on the air on the TWA 
TV show this past weekend. That's nice. So American Dragon getting signed to a developmental deal in 2000. Oh. And look where what that happened became. then. Well, I was going to say developmental would have been yeah, it did TWA and then OV OVW? No, he didn't go to OVW, did he? Deep South Funkin' Dojo? Maybe. We'll have to investigate for next week. We will do, but I like the fact that before this show has even gone on the air, we've had a little bit of history. Brian, Daniel Bryan, uh, a young, no doubt beardless Daniel Bryan, Mm -hmm. has had a tryout match for the WWF in 2000. I love, love watching these episodes again because I love realising stuff like that going, I watched this episode unaware that 20 minutes before the cameras went on, one of my favourite wrestlers of all time that I didn't even know about yet was competing in that ring. That's cool. That is cool. And he probably was wearing his mask back then as well. He may have well been in the American Dragon mask. Grr. Nice stuff. Anyway, enough of me. Math, talk us through this week's episode of SmackDown on UPN. I was going to say, after all that news and relevant stuff. Very, it's a lot this week. Smackdown. It's heavy this week. <laughs> Let's just read Power Slam Magazine news section next week. <laughs> Last Monday night, the Radicals thank the WWF for having them. And they thank Cactus Jack for trying to bring them in. But because they lost to DX 3-0 last SmackDown, they're gone. Back to WCW. Back to getting insulted by Hogan. (laughs) Back to wrestling those pesky foreign wrestlers. Oh, (laughs) God. Well, it's nice while it lasted. Cactus hugs them in the ring. And it's all very sad. But then Triple H shows up and tells them they've got two options. Leave WWF or show their appreciation to the man who gave them new contracts. And the radicals turn on Cactus Jack. It turns out that DX signed them anyway. Rather like rather like Lance Cade and Daniel Bryan and the other two. (laughs) That would have been an even better angle, if you ask me. And this starts Raw. What ends Raw is the famous five-star tag match. With a crowd so hot, you can warm your room by putting it on your TV. <laughs> now, and it ends... Turn. Oh, go on, my friend. Oh, sorry. And it ends with the return of Kane and Paul Bearer. I know Kane hasn't really gone that long, but Paul Bearer returning to WFTV because he left when Undertaker had gone... So there's absolutely no reason for him to be around. And he's mixing his look up now with the red and black suit. A very nice look. What were you about to say about this famous match, Tom? A couple couple of bits from this uh, particular point in time uh, from the Observer. Uh, The heel turn for the Radicals was actually decided the night before Raw. uh, And it was put together by Mick Foley and Vince McMahon. uh, Because by this point, Mick Foley had said to Vince, look, I'm, I'm pagged. Can I have like after no? I want I want out after no way out. I don't want to do any more. But the plan was that there was going to be more involvement between Cactus and the Radicals. There was going to be I don't know whether it would lead to a story with Cactus versus the Radicals. Whether they would play a part in the title match at No Way Out. But because Mick Foley said, "Look, I'm I'm wrapping it up," uh, Vince said, "I tell you what, then let's separate you from the Radicals in some way, shape, or form. So let's do this." Uh, and we can make it more focused on you. So uh, that's why the booking changed, and it resulted in the Radicals being put with Rikishi and Too Cool, which we'll talk about a little bit later on. That 10-man tag, right? Whoa! For a couple of vanilla midgets from Atlanta, Georgia, they've done all right. 8.11 million viewers. 
eight point went all went all Brian Alvarez then. Eight point ah. eleven million viewers. Eight point eleven million viewers. Right. To give you an idea of how phenomenal this number is. Like right, Raw and SmackDown these days, if they get two and a half for the whole show, that's a good night. This was a segment. 8.11 million viewers. Now, obviously, you can't compare it to now because re uh, viewing habits have changed. The industry has changed. It's unfair to compare. So let's compare to the time period that we are in now. And this still holds up. Um, when I say to you, Matthew, highest rated segment on in Raw history, what is your go-to answer? Why? Without looking, it's mm. Rock, this is your life. Right, okay, well, so, and to the shock of many, that was never the highest rated segment in Raw history, but it was oh. in, like, the top four. Um, that segment got 8.39. So this this isn't far off that number in terms of viewers, which is amazing. Incidentally, um, every, this, is, uh, this is a fun little blast from the past. The Rocks, This Is Your Life, uh, touted as the, the most watched segment in Raw history. There was a segment that, that um, had 8.61 million viewers, which was higher than This Is Your Life. And it was the Mean Street Posse versus Pat Patterson and Gerald Briscoe from the 10th of May Raw. Oh, that's mint. That outdrew <laughs> the Rocks This Is Your Life. So, hey, we can slag off the Mean Street Posse all we like. They were in one of the highest rated segments in Raw history. So... The, the, the history books have determined the posse, the winners. Uh, so that's what I wanted to buy. But still, regardless of all that, 8.11 million people watched this five-star, ten-man tag. I watched it again recently, and oh, it's so good. Everything is just right. Like, the, the layers upon layers are perfect. The return of Kane, the return of Paul Bearer, who'd been away having a gastric band fitted true story that's why he looks as felt when we see him um oh beautiful beautiful storytelling and and um, we we now come to smackdown to, to hopefully continue that momentum incidentally what is the number one rated segment okay. in raw history Num number one rated i believe it's a 9.5 and it's june 28th 1999 steve austin versus the undertaker for the wwf title <sighs> That's when Austin wins it, right? Yeah, it was. I think it was post King of the Ring. Yeah, I think so. So and and so that's the highest rated segment, just behind that, oh, from the same okay. episode of Raw of the, as we had the Stooges versus the Posse, nine point seventeen, the Corporate Ministry versus Vincent Mann, Austin and the Rock. That was just behind Austin versus Undertaker on June twenty eighth. Man, they love so that like, sleigh bells theme. Oh, there's a, the, it's weird when you look at like the how the top ten breaks down because you always assume they're like high profile matches, but some of them are quite incidental matches with a little bit of build. I think I think sort of in that sort of top seven point eight point million number, you've got Triple H and Trish Stratus uh, in a in a mixed tag. I think against. The Rock and Lita, possibly. I can't remember off the top of my head. But uh, so there's there's a few like incidental storyline matches that have rated much higher than you think. Mm. Not as high as the ratings for Shasta McNasty, <laughs> though. Nothing's higher than the ratings for Shasta McNasty. 12 million people watched it, so no pressure. Smackdown. <laughs> We're in Austin, Texas. And we start off with Kurt Angle opening the show. 
We get replays from Raw of Angle Olympic slamming Mae Young. <laughs> to quote Lola, I'm surprised that bun didn't squeeze right out. Oh, Christ. Angle would like to point out that despite suplexing an 82-year-old pregnant woman, he's still a role model to children everywhere. Of course it is. And he says, I'm sorry, I thought it was Mark Henry. Lawler says, honest mistake to make. Angle is going to win the European title tonight, even though he knows Texas doesn't know where Europe is. And it's a hell of a great way to start the show. Lots of heat there. Val Venus shows up to defend his title. And despite watching this weekly with Tom Campbell, I'd forgotten about him holding the title, to be honest with you. Not done much with Val. so. And you know, it's a big match, though, as Val has his special black towel. That's I don't know why. Uh, business. Exactly. I don't know why a porn star would wear a black towel. It seems to me it'd be harder to wash. Well, it's, but... when you, it's when you move up the ranks in the porn business. So when you do a certain number of scenes to a certain quality, you get you go from a white towel to a black towel. <laughs> no, but you can only get a black towel when you have three of the porn stars there to judge you. <laughs> That's exactly right. And, and then if you can perform whilst three porn stars are watching you, then you deserve the black towel. Val Venus is happy working with someone who can sell for him. Uh, but it's interesting seeing Kurt's moveset evolving and changing. He's doing neck breakers now. Ooh. Ooh. I'm glad you ooed. Lola is unhappy with the Texans booing Kurt, so he asks if Cole remembers the Alamo. <laughs> Cole asks why he's asking him. He says, well, Mae Young told him it was horrible. Mae Young was a nurse there, wasn't she? <laughs> the line that he comes out. But he spends ages like before he says it. It's almost like he thinks about saying it before actually saying it. Val gets the semen suplex for two. He tries to follow up with a money shot. However, Angle's able to dock him on the cock and follow up with the Angle Slam, called a fireman's carry by Cole, to win his first title in WWF. A hot, hot crowd here for Venus's best match in months. But considering he's had Bulldog and no selling Rock, that's not much competition. Exactly, exactly. Val is really over with the crowd as well. They love him tonight. They do. And this is all. And this is like a. This is a big moment. This is a, this is like a, a bit of a history making moment. This is the first championship for Kurt Angle. The first of many that will come over his career. And it happens here tonight on SmackDown. He does, and he does the belt proud by celebrating like he just won the '96 Olympics. Uh, backstage, DX aren't happy with Kurt Angle's win. But Triple H tries talking to everybody, but Stephanie is distracted by watching Kurt Angle on TV. It's a nice little touch, is there? Stephanie again calls Kane, and I quote, the big red retard, oh. as apparently even though WWF pulled back on it because this is supposed to be for kids, they just can't stop saying it. Like Russo and foreigners, you just can't stop talking about them. Anyway, head booker Triple H makes the matches for tonight. <laughs> As Perry Sutton gets Grandmaster Sexay, Dean Malenko gets Scotty Too Hotty, and Benoit gets Rikishi. Also, the image outlaws get Rock and Sock, and x pac gets Kane. <laughs> x pac goes, what? what? <laughs> goes, ah, only, only ribbing your kid. It's x pac and Triple H versus Kane. x pac no, oh, that was funny. The, the banter, the DX banter. Me. Uh, Xbox good at selling the, these things. Uh, oh, he's very good at that, and he's also very good at fighting Kane, which is something that he does yeah. for time infinitum. How do we Actually, feel yeah. about um, the radicals' heel turning so quickly? You know what? I'm fine with it. As we said a few episodes ago, they had these this opportunity thrust upon them, making these things up as they go along, and it's it works well. 
you know, when in doubt, add stuff to Triple H's evil fact scheme, as Agent Christian will call it later on in 2000. It's fine. And it was a lot better for them to show off what they can do by wrestling vigorously, as we'll come to in this episode, than it is for Mick Foley to go, hey, give a big hand for all these guys, yay! So, I did listen to Bruce Pritchard talk about the Radicals coming in on Comrade Thompson's show, and he said, absolutely nothing of note or importance. So, no, fair enough. They came in, we signed them, they did this, and we paid them to work, and then they cashed their checks, and they used that money to pay for houses. I was like, thanks, thanks, Bruce. Cheers, Bruce. I imagine some of them bought uh, uh, food from the shopping districts <laughs> of the area. Uh, uh, Check me out from me. this, Bruce. What yeah. food would they have bought? Yeah. What would Jim Cornette have cheeseburger. None of my impressions sound like how they're supposed to. I have to wear a mask so you know who it is. God damn it. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Bruce. Make, yeah, sh- make it does, sure. It does feel like they are just sort of figuring it out as they go along, which is the truth. They are. As you say, this is an opportunity that presented themselves to them. I just compare this to a year on when in the literally in the the 11th hour before WrestleMania, WWF had their biggest competition thrust upon them. And they did they did in comparison a much better job with these four than they did with an entire company. Absolutely. And I uh, just realised the irony of me calling out someone's bad impression after, I don't know, there was that little interlude we had at SummerSlam 94. <laughs> and by interlude, I mean the entirety of Brett versus Owen. <laughs> Anyway, don't know what we're talking about. Listen to the Cultaholic Classic SummerSlam 1994 watch along. It's on the podcast feed right now. I imagined everyone listened to both shows. I mean, what kind of loser would I listen to one of them? I know, right? Grandmaster Sexy versus Perry Sutton. It's the next matchup. It's the SmackDown debut of the Radicals theme. The one that goes. Had a long break in the middle, like like somebody accidentally pressed stop. I forgot that bit. <laughs> so it's well, Sutton. something that isn't stopping is Perry Sutton's push. Oh. As commentators remember how to put over someone. Michael Cole's been a bit on and off when it comes to actually putting someone over these past few weeks. But with Sutton, they're full over. Talk about his tattoos, his physique. Oh, he looks vicious. Sex A takes a beating, but comes back with a top rope drop kick to the back of Sutton's head, the JFK special. Enziguri sets up the Sunset Flip power bomb to the outside, which is a hell of a move for a mid-match spot. But Sutton takes down Sexay with just his legs, which is a very famous move if you've played WF No Mercy because it was a famous cheat back in the day. If you wanted to win lots of money on survival mode, but you couldn't be arsed, you'd pick Perry Sutton and you'd sellotape down the B&A buttons so he'd just do that move. <laughs> is that true? Yeah, go put that on. Tape down the B and A, take the dog out for a walk, wash the dishes, come back, and there's ten grand. <laughs> if you're still playing No Mercy on the N64, you're very welcome. That's right. No Mercy, never die. No, no Mercy forever. <laughs> Perry Sutton works the arm. Nice bit as he Irish whips Sexay and simply holds onto his arm as Sexay falls like a bag of poo. Sutton has enough of working that and nails the top rope elbow, which Sexay kicks out of, which is 
don't know, it's a hard thing to look at, considering Perry Sutton was jumping off of scaffolding and everything in WCW, and that was his big thing, but hey-ho. 6A hooks up, removes his shirt to make a fiery comeback. A crossbody misses Perry, but hits the referee, so despite 6A getting the hip-hop drop, Sutton's able to kick out. And while 6A's complaining to the referee, Sutton locks in the rings of Sutton, and despite his foot being on the rope, that's enough for the win. And this must have been the start of the radical style of matches that go longer than two minutes. Uh, this felt like Ben-Hur compared to previous weeks. Seven long minutes of hard action there. Start of things to come. Tom, what do you think? I need to make the observation here that Perry Satin is flipping brilliant. Oh. Like Perry Satin in this match was, to me, watching this back, was a was a breakthrough. He was hitting thousands of different versions of suplexes that all looked brutal. That bit with the Irish whip, <clears throat> where he was whipping them but holding their arm, I've never seen that before or since. <clears throat> Tell me if I'm wrong. The elbow drop looked great. He just had this fire and this intensity about them. And I'm going to ask this question, Math, and I'm not saying this ironically. I know that... <clears throat> History hasn't been overly kind to Perry Saturn, but I'm watching this in a time capsule and seeing this guy with a great physique, with stunning moves, with incredible offense in another life. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> I'm getting choked up thinking about Perry. <coughs> in another life, could Perry Saturn had been had have been a Brock Lesnar-esque superhero? Yeah. Absolutely. I really I, I'm of the opinion, yes. And I'm someone who watched the Eliminators in ECW, the feud with the flock in WCW, and it, it had the charisma. Yeah, it was able to be... He's able to be Taz, but better. Yes, yes. He is what he is. What I think the WWF wanted Taz to be. If you had given Perry the Taz debut and run... And height. You'd have made a star. You'd have made a star. If WWF was Pokemon, after enough levels up, Taz would have turned into Perry Sutton. He would have done. <laughs> T uh, Total Extreme Warfare 2020 comes out at the end of this month. Uh, if I end up rebooking SmackDown, I'm making Perry Sutton the champion. I'm not even sorry. I'm just you putting that be, out don't there be, don't the world. Never apologise for Perry Sutton, love. No, absolutely not. He, he, is, he is a boy. Absolute lad. Really loved his work here. Really loved his work. Massively underrated. He's hit tough times in the last year or so. And uh, genuinely nothing but love to Perry Satin. What a machine here. Speaking of machines, the hype machine rolls on as the XFL press conference was sometimes this week. Vince McMahon insists this league isn't for panty waists and sissies. And the, one of the best bits of the 30 for 30 documentary, which I recommend to everybody, was they would put all these anti-NFL quotes together that Vince was spewing. And then someone casually mentions, oh, by the way, Vince McMahon never even watched NFL. <laughs> had no idea what was happening. But he was just telling people, that sucks. This isn't your dad's NFL. This is the XFL, where <laughs> drugs are allowed. Wanderlei Silva is going to be fighting for us. Yeah, it was a funny. Um, it was funny just to hear Vince getting like treating the XFL like he treated all the other wrestling companies in the W in in wrestling during the the rise of the WWF. It sort of feels like that aggressive mindset. And like this is how Vince has always worked, though. It's been like this is my product. Everything else in the market is crap. I'm the best. Come and work for me. 
And it's that bolshiness that, that has either seen him shine as it has in wrestling or seen him absolutely fall on his ass as he has with other things. Absolutely. And it's always funny seeing when people go, why is why did WF... Do we, do we hate Dave Meltzer and all those other journalists like that? Because they hate anybody who calls them out on their stuff. If you think they hate wrestling journalists, just you wait and see how Vince and the crew react to real-life journalists and criticism, completely outside the wrestling sphere. Moving on, Edgy Christian are here, fresh off losing to the New Age Outlaws in a tag title match on Raw, thanks to the Dudley's interference. And did you know Edge is marrying Venus's sister? Yes, yes, we do. Yes, we're not doing anything with that storyline, but for some reason you keep dropping it in. Yes, to celebrate the fact that they're getting married, Venus has lost the title, and Edgy Christian didn't win the titles. Oh, what a great, a great marriage. Can't wait for the divorce. <laughs> anyway, I'm about to sneeze. <laughs> anyway, after that sneeze, here's the Dudleys. And they're here after beating the Godfather and D'Lo Brown on Raw. And BB showed up to check on the Godfather after the match because he tweaked his leg. So the Dudleys attempted to powerbomb her through a table, but Edge stopped them because he hadn't had sex with her yet. <laughs> not married yet, not yeah. married yet. <laughs> so it's Edge and Christian versus the Dudleys on SmackDown. Hot start with no tagging, but Dudleys get the advantage after Bubba mouths off to Christian and he looks at him, the ninny. Top rope headbutt still doesn't have the was up because they're still technically diddlers and shouldn't be doing good things like that. Bubba tries for a chair, but then doesn't. Edge gets the hot tag and Bubba manages to hurt his knee while trying a smaller drop, leaving Edgy Christian to pin Devon. Post-match, 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 Bubba cries in pain. Uh, so BB and the crew show up to check on him and he reveals, wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. It was a setup all, all along. along. So they could powerbomb her through a table. Angie Christian show up way too late to deal with it then. So Devon protects Bubba while he's in a state of euphoria by chair shotting them. Those <laughs> damn diddlers. I actually forgot that this was um this was a setup to get BB and Bubba Ray was perfect in this bit. As he was being taken away and Devon said, Oh, does it hurt? And then you just see Bubba's face like change. And he goes, yeah. No, it doesn't hurt. And it was malicious and delicious. Oh, and then like, where was Edge and Christian though? Did they just like burst out of existence as soon as they leave? Because they were very late. It wasn't like they wasn't like they they teleported to the moon. I thought they would have rushed back a bit quicker. <laughs> well, they the full entrance. You have to leave through the crowd, and they're like, ah, oh, signing autographs and all that. And like, oh, wait a minute. Sorry, Ed, come on, Edge. Edge, stop talking to somebody's sister. Come on. And it's funny how like, we mentioned this the other week. How this deplorable act of Bubba Ray Dudley putting defenseless women through tables will make him one of the most popular wrestlers on the roster. Yeah, they are trying to emphasize the negative aspects of it now, the the crazy stare, you know, the full metal jacket, 10, was it 10 mile, 10 yard stare? The, te the thousand yard though. stare. 10,000, yeah, 10 yards isn't much, Matthew, Jesus. The 10-yard ten, the ten stare is just... It's just <laughs> 10 yards? The 10-yard stare is just saying, who's, the, who's that Who's that at the gate? Oh, it's the postman. That's the 10-yard stare. The 1,000-yard stare is something completely different. I have a 10-yard stare now about my glasses. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, when you knew Bubba's knee injury was fake because he didn't injure Batista and Orton in the same match. <laughs> what a time that was. And post-post-match, BB is stretched out. So it begs the question, who is the BB for BB? 
And, and then, and then be- if there was a BB for BB, would BB then have, stood, have sat up, grabbed her by the throat, then put her through a table, and then it would have just been in a cycle forever. Tom, it's BBs all the way down. <laughs> and on this talk of BB, that would be her last appearance before showing up twice for WCW and then once for NWA TNA in 2002. So, no, that's the end of Barbara Bush. Yep, no more Barbara or Bush. Leave the memories alone. We send our love, in that case, to we do. the to former Barbara Bush, a.k.a. Kathy Dingman, uh, who <laughs> was, as, as you said, briefly in uh, World Championship Wrestling. Uh, do you remember the name that she went under in WCW? This is if you don't know this, mate. Like it's not the end of the world. It is so obscure. A DD. Papaya. What? <laughs> papaya. Papaya. What the hell is that? I don't know. I don't remember either. Um. <laughs> uh, and since um, so she's left now. She's doing um, she's. She she still does the odd bit of wrestling stuff by the looks of it. Like she makes the odd appearance at, at at cons and things like that. But more often than not, she's just living a normal life. She was posting uh, the other day on Facebook a whole bunch of throwback pictures from back in the day. Uh, pictures when she used to work at Hooters. Uh, pictures from when she used to work for WCW. But she posted um, the other day on there. Oh, we've got a, a break in the proceedings. Uh, Matthew, because to let you behind the scenes, Alex has been baking today, and Alex Booth has just walked in uh, with a lemon muffin that she has made. Oh my god! So can you email me one of them? Can you uh, can you email Matthew a muffin, please? Can you email Matthew a muffin? No, no. So I thought there was for a second. Don't worry, don't worry. Um, can you email Matthew a muffin? No. He says no. Okay, I'm gonna I try. Can I picture one and send you one though. Oh, there you go. There you go. This is all staying oh, in the podcast. Oh, thank way. you. No, wait there, wait there. I want you to see. I want you to see. The cat's not eating the rest. Okay. Oh. Oh, they're spot on. They're all right. Should we have to give these to the neighbours? Yes. We're not eating the all of them. There's too many. Can we not just keep them? No, there's like eighteen of them. That's we're not fine. Eat... No, we're not eating all. The That's all right. Eat. That's the tester one. That's beautiful. Is it all right? Smashed it, love. Really nice. Num num, love you. Well done. Can we not keep them? Do I get crumbs on the microphone? Can we not keep them? No. Just can we We're keep not ten. Keeping the cupcakes. Can we keep ten? No. Nine. No. Fine. <laughs> love you. Love you so there we go. So baking's happening in the other room. This is the fun of uh, working from home. All right. Okay. Sorry. Right. So back in the room. That's all staying in the podcast, by the way. <laughs> it might as well. Yeah. So, from Kathy Dingman's Facebook page, just the other day. Quick, real story. Kat, China, and I talked about getting our own reality show where we would just got road tripping through the States. I had lots of ideas. So, there you go. There's Kathy Dingman's Facebook post. She has a dog. <laughs> Journalism! <laughs> Here's Scotty Too Hotty versus Dean Malenko. And we start off hot as Scotty fakes a crossbody. Continuity from this mate's match that he just had with Saturn. Malenko ducks, so Hotty tries for a top rope moonsault. Malenko dodges, runs into a top throw hold, and gets sent outside. 
bloody hell. Hottie was perfect for Valenko. Oh, Eddie shows up, sorry. so the match has some heat. Despite him being from Texas, they don't like him. Eddie removes a lot of the focus on Dino working Hottie's legs, so I'll skip to Hottie landing the worm and Eddie setting him up off the top rope so Dino can lock in the Texas Clover Leaf. Eddie joins him in, kicking apart Hottie, and Sexay makes a save. Eddie being injured, I think, helped Eddie a lot during this period because he can really stand out by hamming it up at ringside. So there'll be much better Malenko Hottie matches down the road, but Malenko worked best with a guy like Hottie. He's something he's uh, he's like putty in his hands. He can make him just do whatever he wants, and Hottie can keep up. So any thoughts on either the match or that lemon drizzle you just had? Uh, lemon drizzle was lovely. Uh, 10 on 10 for that. The match itself, I love how intense the Radicals are at this point. Um, every match they've had, they started by jumping the guy, which has been a nice touch so far. Um, they will have better matches, which is what's really exciting. Can I, can I tell you about some journalism I did during this match? Because I watched this at like 2 o'clock in the morning when I couldn't sleep. So I've done some journalism. Um, there's a guy in the there's a guy in the crowd that has a sign. I don't know whether you saw the sign. That's in it's on a big piece of yellow card, and it says "See Eric at Mazda South." Right. I did some digging. <laughs> I am happy to report that in 2020, Eric is still at Mazda South. Go on, Tom. <laughs> I sent an email. <laughs> Bloody hell. <laughs> so this is in Austin, Texas. And I found, and I and I looked up Mazda South in Texas, in Austin. And I found a dealership, a Mazda dealership in Austin. And the general manager is a guy called Eric Smith. And there's a picture of him. And... There is a guy in the front row, not holding the sign, but next to the guy holding the sign, that looks like him. Like, exactly like him. Almost wearing the same shirt. Uh, so, I'm really delighted that... And I, and, and I have... So, and to, to, to fulfil the, the quota for journalism, I sent the following email. Hi, Eric. I hope this email finds you well. My name is Tom Campbell, and I work for Cultaholic Wrestling. We do a weekly podcast watching old episodes of SmackDown. I was drawn to the sign, to this sign, on the episode emanating from Austin, Texas that we are watching this week. I did some research online and it led me to you and this email address. And I wanted to see if you were indeed THE, in capital letters, THE Eric at Mazda South. If so, I wanted to give you a shout out on this week's podcast. Do you have any special memories from this particular episode that you would like to share on the podcast? If I have the wrong Eric, then I apologise for disrupting your evening. I hope either way that you and yours are safe and well. Yours sincerely, Tom Campbell, Cultaholic. Subscribe to the podcast. Here's the link. Um, he hasn't replied yet. <laughs> for, for... <laughs> I didn't say it was a happy ending. But when he does, when he does, we will break the news on the SmackDown review. I have a feeling that this is the same Eric from 2000. And and I'd also like to know, Eric, is now you're the general manager. Is this a promotion? Because and also on the website, on the website for Master, I noticed I've spent more time talking about Eric at Master South than this match. 
Um, it says that this Eric in particular has been with the company since 1997. So I think this is our guy. Pretty sure this is our guy. If it is, Eric, we love you, mate. We're a big fan of your work. And I'm glad to see that you are now the general manager of that dealership. What a guy. Owned it. Get in touch. <laughs> and that's all I think on this match. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. You're welcome, mate. I've done all the research. Meanwhile, <laughs> Taz is not at Mazda. No, he's in he's, a scrapyard. He's certainly not. He's smashing windows and telling us the mood is about to change. That's right. He's going to go from grumpy to miserable. <laughs> Do you like how they downgraded his catchphrase from ECW? Uh, his ECW catchphrase was, beat me if you can, survive if I let you. Yes, it is. That was his catchphrase in ECW. His catchphrase in this video was, you may beat me, but you'll never defeat me. <laughs> so oh, it's no, gone that's from, not a catchphrase. It's gone from, in ECW, you ain't gonna, you ain't gonna, you ain't gonna win one over on me, and I will kill you in the process anyway. It's gone from that to, I'm probably gonna lose, but I'll keep coming back. <laughs> what a downgrade. Oh. <laughs> well, it was between that and sticks and stones may break my bones, Basically, but words that's will never hurt at. me. <laughs> oh. Whilst he's teleporting around a junkyard, weirdly. What did you think was, of the That was a normal the, bit. What did you it was like Superman Taz? 3. <laughs> what did you make I of liked it? I liked it. I liked it. The vibe that Taz is given off with these promos and his Titantron's music are better than the reality of Taz right now. So I like these segments because it reminds me of, that's the Taz I like, teleporting scrapyard Taz. <laughs> Who's okay if you beat him. He's nice. He's a friendly junkyard dog. Gives half his gives half half his paycheck to the local local orphanage. You know, next to the scrapyard. Anyway, Cactus Jack tells us there's 17 days left until the biggest match of his life, and I've skipped ahead because before he did that, the New Age Outlaws do their spiel in the ring to massive cheers, and then Cactus Jack comes out and then starts talking about the biggest match of his life, and it's hell in a cell. Bugger, we missed the announcement, which must have been on Raw, which is very well done, but we'll see the package when we see No Way Out 2000. And it may not be Hell in the Cell tonight, but these two will have Hell, dot, 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 to pay. <laughs> then The Rock's deafening pop does a run-in to start the match. Also, a fan in the front row holds up a We Want Tugboat sign. Yeah, well. <laughs> now, I've emailed Give it a year. <laughs> <laughs> and he still wants tugboats. Tugboat at gmail.com. Please respond. Geocities.com forward slash tugboat fan site. But site's back with a one and not an I. Make sure you get it's tug underscore boat. <laughs> no, it's tug B underscore oat. For God's sake, don't 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 do tug my boat. That's it. <laughs> that takes you to a very different Geocities page. Uh. <laughs> Countless Jack starts off, and you'd think they'd beat him up for a bit until he makes a hot tag to Rock. But no, Cactus Jack is on offense for a whole minute before tagging The Rock, who is contractually obligated to beat up Billy Gunn whenever he sees him. 
Billy Gunn bounces for him until he lands a bulldog and tags in Road Dog, who gets his wacky punches in until he gets double teamed. And surprisingly, it's Rock playing the role of Cactus Jack tonight. Wow. I am so impressed by this. I type in the word, whoa, W-O-H-H, and then type in, oh wait, Rock makes his own comeback. <laughs> Road Dog takes the Rock bottom, but Billy pulls the referee out. So Cactus tries to help, but somehow Billy Gunn twats Rock with a tag title and Rock kicks out. Crowd's <laughs> in the middle. Crowd is in the middle of a just microwave pasty because they are molten. They are so hot for this match. It's unreal. They've been hot all night, to be fair. Now it's a great crowd tonight. And Rock makes the hot, hot tag to Cactus, who immediately bites Road Dog. And then it all breaks down and ends up with Road Dog taking a lead pipe to the head. But Cactus pulls him up at two. So he can deliver the pull-up pile driver to beat the champs. I wow. love the mean streak of Cactus Jack in this. The That's right. It's not mankind. It's not the NFL. It's XFL, <laughs> Mick Foley. He's, he's hitting people with pipes. He's doing drugs. No, no, no. Sorry. It's real. No, 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 he's not. But Tugboat, maybe. You'll have to email him to find out. And what's the only thing hotter than that match? Why, the pits of hell that Gangrel and Luna emerge from, of course. <laughs> On they, Raw? They, I, for some, somehow, they made the building hotter and colder at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> On Raw, Jackie beat Luna in a women's title defence. So the salty vampires double-teamed her afterwards. So tonight, it's a revenge. It's a revenge on not just the vampires, but the crowd as it's an intergender tag match with Gangrel and Luna taking on the team of Jackie and Prince Albert. Mm. <laughs> this anyway. molten crowd, even like they will pop for everything. They will not pop for Prince Albert. Uh, no, no one should pop for Prince Albert. It's very painful. <laughs> anyway, Luna Vachon gets a quick DDT after a whole minute, but Albert pump kicks Gangrel and then tries to pierce him but he leaves, leaving Jackie to slam Luna for the win. Because it's a filler, filler <laughs> night. There ain't no second chance against Albert and his hairy eyes. <laughs> filler, filler night. You're fighting for a minute with a ratings killer tonight. <laughs> yes, that's right. I typed that out during this match. Beautiful, beautiful. Good for Jalbert. And the next match is brought to you by Phone Free. Let freedom ring. And they sponsor... Oh, not the match. It's the Radicals turning on Cactus. Wow. They're definitely free, all right, from Kevin Sullivan's wrenchful wrath. <laughs> More not to come in uh, 2007. Benoit versus Rikishi is next. In the Battle of the Lads, Triple H is made credible this year. He will do it later on and have Taka in a three-way dance. And uh, Benoit's killer instinct is brought up by Lawler as he chops the bejesus out of Rikishi and wears him down while he's on the floor. Kishi butts him down, but the Kishi driver has escaped out of, so Benoit locks in the cross face, but Rikishi is somehow able to get the ropes. Well, that move will get a lot deadlier very quickly. Benoit somehow, by God, delivers a Northern Light suplex on Rikishi for two. Amazing. And the exchange leap beholds, but Benoit back suplexes Rikishi uh, sadly misses the diving headbutt, no longer called the Air Canada. He walks right into a Rikishi super kick, however, and a big belly to belly. But as he sets up the Banzai drop, the Radicals run in for the DQ, and Tuchel show up to even the odds. Perry takes a belly to belly to start the dance party, 
to make Texas happy again. What are your thoughts on Kishi versus Benoit? Loved it. I thought it was a cracking little match between these guys. Benoit, again, like as they're all the radicals have been tonight, just super intense. I really enjoyed the the, the, the hotness of, of Benoit, Saturn and Malenka compared to last week where, compared to last week, they were a little bit simpering last week. They were a little bit like try hard goodies. Whereas this week they are, they look like world beaters. And they've come in with every match and they've just clattered them. And I think there is there is some concern. I, I certainly remember at this point as a, as a 16-year-old smarky fan thinking like, why are they feuding with Too Cool and the Rikishi? Like, they're the best. Why are they being the main event? Because I was an arsehole. Um, you got to think that if they've turned them face for the reasons they've turned them face, which we talked about earlier on, in terms of who you go up against at the moment, it's pretty it's pretty slim pickings at the top because you've got the Rock and Cactus Jack, both of which are currently involved in programs with other people going into WrestleMania. So really, in all honesty, and especially after Monday Night on Raw, your your other hottest act in the company is Too Cool and Rikishi, and it is. It doesn't feel like that should be the answer, but it is. So put them with the the hottest act in the company and see where it goes. Absolutely. And they're a great uh, three-men team to demonstrate the big difference between uh, the Radicals and WWF right now, which is they're working hard in the ring, which is how they stood up and were beloved by so many people in WCW. And it's a breath of fresh air seeing them do it. Rikishi took a Northern Lights suplex in this match. Unreal. That is amazing. He was so good. He was so good with Rikishi. Still, yeah, I always, you know, he always has been. Like, I think he's had more on days than off. Like, Rikishi, as, as a worker, I really enjoyed his work. Absolutely. He's like King Mabel without the injuries. <laughs> yes. And next up, the Hardys are here, and they're brought to you by milk. Mmm. <laughs> Cow juice. Yum, yum. You're not meant to drink that. <laughs> <laughs> Phone free. And you know it's free because it's America. <laughs> and also, Tom, so that'll get you excited because you love little stupid stuff like this. WWF Meat Snacks, which yes! has the amazing catchphrase, who says we don't have great taste? Which is exactly what you want from something that's edible. And they come in the four <laughs> lovely flavors of beef, 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 and big red retard. <laughs> I don't remember WWF meat snacks. <laughs> it was nice to see them. Have you ever had a Slim Jim? I have had a Slim Jim. Um, kind of like, okay, so this is just like frozen cold meat that is <laughs> on a stick. All right. Yeah. It's pepperami with a better advertising campaign. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's pepperami, but more inclined to cook, give you gum bleed. Because they were quite tough, some of them. But this That's is WWF getting in on that how that protein market in it. <laughs> Meat sticks, yeah, you you'll buy anything. <laughs> I want, I want promos of like Lex Luger. Well, I, I want. They could have saved some money, had the Ica Pro advert play, and then just as Lex Luger says Ica Pro, <laughs> it's dubbed over WWF Meat Sticks. <laughs> In fact, John. Oh, poor Tom. John, 
Um, can I have the IcoPro advert? But just as Lex Luger says IcoPro, can it be a, a computer-generated voice that says WWF meat sticks? Photoshop John's an essential worker right now, Tom. <laughs> he is a key worker, so we need to keep him working. Clap, oh, hashtag see. clap for our Photoshop John. <laughs> Every Thursday, I stand on my window. I, stand, I don't stand on my window. I stand on my balcony. No, no. I stand <laughs> on my window. <laughs> John, no, don't do that. Um, I stand on my balcony and I clap for our key workers. I clap for our carers. Uh, from 8 until 8.05. I clap, I clap, I clap, I clap. And then at 5 past 8, I clap for Photoshop John. And as I'm doing so, I'll just shout, John! Do a pelican dressed as a human getting a job in an office. <laughs> Hashtag clap for our Photoshop John. At 8.05 on a Thursday, once you've clapped for our carers, get outside on your balcony and just shout Photoshop for John to do. See, in a similar vein, I've been booing for Photoshop, John. Um, very awkwardly, though. It's been the same time as the the claps for nurses. Oh, we get some no, horrible looks. Oh, no. I've had a go. No, no, no. It's for John. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> this isn't aimed at you. No, you should have seen the... If you'd seen his last work, you'd agree with me. <laughs> yeah, same to you, pal. <laughs> Hashtag clap for our carers. We are indebted to the amazing work that people in the NHS and uh, the front line in hospitals are doing right now. And if listening, if you're on your way to the front to front line work, and and this is your entertainment for whatever reason, um, we can't thank you enough. We genuinely can't thank you enough. You you are you you're very much in our hearts and minds every single day. Yeah, what Tom said. Yeah, in a serious way. Absolutely. Thank you very yeah, much. Just what Tom said. That's fine. This I hope uh, I have had a few messages from people who are in that line, uh, not just the essential workers, but people like retailers and bus drivers. And they've sent me some very nice messages. And I'm saying, look, if this is the least I can do to help is talking twaddle about wrestling, then, you know, it's <laughs> happy to know this isn't just silly buggers for some people. So, <laughs> Well, it is silly buggers, but it's good silly buggers. It's the best silly buggers. And what says silly buggers better than the Hardy Boys taking on the team of Al Snow and Steve Blackman? And because of head cheese, Al Snow gets a pop. And I've typed that in capital letters, so you know it's serious. He even gets a chant of head cheese. As I can say, there's lots of that. They're no longer head cheese, though. Steve Blackman doesn't like it. And they really missed a beat by not having the Quebecers theme of, we're not the head cheese. <laughs> that would have been fun. <laughs> oh, you know, what does everybody want? Head cheese. And then Blackman goes, no, no, don't, don't do that. Please. Everyone except Blackman. Yeah. When I say head, you say cheese. Head, no. Head, no. <laughs> anyway, Al Snow has his funky blue gear again. And Jeff tries for a whisper in the wind and hits Al, but manages to go over him too, which Lola decides to comment on. Because <laughs> why not point out the negatives there? Eh? <laughs> Al gets isolated while the crowd assault Blackman with head cheese chants. And Blackman's vacant expression works well here because he's probably trying to convey that he's annoyed. It's hard to tell them. But the crowd decide that he is, so they chant hey, cheese even louder. Blackburn and Al bounce Jeff brutally with a chest breaker, and he pops up like a pop of pirate. And then Steve gives a front suplex to Matt on the ring steps. It's quite a nice move there. And Lawler says, come on, Steve, show some emotion. God, Lawler's been rough with Steve Blackman tonight. You'd think he was 13 years old. Blackman gets distracted by head cheese and misses a diving headbutt. And I don't know why Blackman's still doing that move when Mr. Eric Anders walk around, but... I think that's what they call a four par in the business. 
Jeff makes a comeback and lands a beautiful tope. That would have been even more beautiful if Al Snow had bothered to catch him. And the, the Dudleys show up to chair shot Jeff to set up the demolition leg drop to finish as Head Cheese pinned the Hardy Boys. And then Jerry Lawler mocks the referee for not only not seeing the Dudleys, but also not hearing the very loud chair shot and wonders if the referees are deaf as well as blind. Something that we're still wondering to this day, in fact. What are your thoughts, Tom? Fine match overall. Uh, builds up some nice tag team shenanigans going down the line. It was all right. It was good. I, I like head cheese as a team. They're, they're meshing quite well. Big fan of this. Incidentally, last week on Thunder, we forgot to mention this. Well, actually, oh no, we, we wouldn't have, it wouldn't have been in our timeline. Either way, um, last week on Thunder, on the subject of the Hardy Boys, Lenny and Lodi revealed their new gimmick 2XS. Oh. Which is a rip off of the Hardys, like a deliberate rip off of the Hardys. Just Wait, continuing was it? that, it was yeah. Two XS was apparently meant to be a rip off of the Hardys. I never got that. That's two X. They weren't even dressed like them. <laughs> that's the, that's about that's what Dave Meltzer drew from that anyway. Who looks at Lenny and Lodi and think, God, they're just like the Hardys? It was a one week thing. I think they did where they were trying out a new look. And uh, oh. they end up they end up dressing like the Hardy Boys, and and it's just that thing again where it's just, hey, the other channel's good, put that on. <laughs> yeah, that's what Scott said. <laughs> Basically, what Scott Snyder said as well. Lenny and Lodi, you got the Hardy Boys fired from Nitro. <laughs> you stole the gimmick. You couldn't fix your hair. Anyway, so yeah, that's a thing. WWF is preempted uh, for Raw on Monday. And they don't say it the first time round. They say it's preempted, guys, new time slot. And then later on they say it again and it's, yeah, yeah. And they begrudgingly admit, yeah, it's the Westminster Dog Show. <laughs> <laughs> They're not bitter about it at all because the only thing that draws more than Undertaker versus Steve Austin for the title is the dogs. <laughs> I'm surprised Vince didn't try and do his own little dog show. I thought they could have had some fun with that. Extreme dogging with Vince McMahon. We're not sissies and pantywaists like Crufts. <laughs> Only hot bitches here in Vince's <laughs> dog show. <laughs> Tells a Jack Russell to get down and bark like a human. <laughs> You'd have it so... You'd have a um, the Vincent Man Dog Show would feature a cocker spaniel doing an obstacle course and get three quarters of the way through before a run in by a pit bull. <laughs> and takes, a them retriever. Out of it, takes them out. Here to sing the Gold Retrievers theme song is the DX Band. <laughs> oh God! Not them again. <laughs> We follow this horrible attempt at humour with another brutal, horrible advert. Incidentally, done by John, the same company. John, John, Vince McMahon's dog show. No, don't, no, Don't tell John. Matthew I said that. Don't tell Matthew I said that. Vince McMahon's dog show. Carry on, yeah, John, John, don't tell me that Tom said that. <laughs> and I'm still more interested in hearing and seeing these awful, bloody, horrible adverts with a guy picking his nose in a room by himself to somehow plug WWF.com. I don't know if these are some sort of public domain footage that they have the huge server and just type in attitude and it comes up and goes, wait, a, a lad picking his nose. Nothing screams that than like that. Vince humor. 
He's digging for snot and for news. You get it? (laughs) Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. The Hollies say they're taking on Jericho in a handicap match. And they're saying they're taking on tonight. And Jericho, for some reason, says he could take on both of the Hollies with one arm tied behind his back. And also, it's a no-DQ match. Huh. The Hollies are thrilled. I wonder if they fall for those, if you retweet this, I'll send you 10 grand tweets as well. <laughs> anyway. Hey, Crash, that's nothing. I had an email from a, an Ecuadorian also, a, super businessman. If we want a main event push, we have to inject bleach. <laughs> Our call's like, wow, you know what? Bleach would probably be safer than the other stuff I'm injecting. <laughs> oh! Jericho runs them down as he makes away at the ring, and he can't wait to take out Bob and his boy Elroy <laughs> with one arm behind his back. And Jericho sticks to the one arm behind his back. He even does the Jericho pose, but with only one arm sticking out. But never mind that. Never mind what we're going to be able to get. This week, Hardcore Holly stars in Operation Sandman, Warriors in Hell. What in the bloody, ruddy hell is that? Don't worry, lads. I've got an IMDb summary here. Oh, good. I'm glad because I think we have the same idea because I did some digging on this Oh, too. great. Well, I've got, I've got the summary and a review. So let's go first. In the heat of an American desert, Captain Gene Farrell <laughs> arrives at a secret He's military happy. installation. <laughs> Run by the enigmatic Dr. Harlan Jessup. Jessup is conducting Operation Sandman, an experiment involving a group of soldiers who will volunteer to be injected with the juice. My own quote. No wonder Harkaholly volunteered for this. (laughs) A drug which enables them to function without sleep. The team of soldiers led by gruff and abusive Gunny Riggins continually takes part in virtual reality scenarios whereby they face terrorists, kidnappers, gorillas, and a plethora of other situations that demand split-second timing. 
and undying obedience in the face of danger. They have continued for nearly three weeks without sleep, and their response times and reactions are better than ever. But there's a problem. As the test continues, the soldiers began to see freaks, hallucinations, that intrude on their consciousness and disturb their concentration. Jessup is on the point of getting government funding for the project and cannot afford any hiccups, so army psychologist Pharrell is called in to give the project a clean bill of health. But when she arrives, she discovers one of the soldiers is dead. He has apparently committed suicide using a hand grenade, but she discovers the shredded body contains no shrapnel and there was no sound of an explosion. So she wonders, how can a soldier be killed by a grenade? That never existed. <laughs> and I'm not saying it's low rent, but Hargo Holly makes it onto the poster and is one of the leading actors. <laughs> and I have a review here, Tom. Oh, I appreciate Sandman is not your typical made-for-TV garbage. It's a very cool movie with a very different look. There are some shots of the actors in the desert that are similar to those of Three Kings. There's a good blend of action and suspense with shades of Flatliners, Night Scare, and Universal Soldier. That, along with a good cast make this UPN original a cut above the rest. The cast includes Ron Perlman, and God hate this person for saying Ron Perlman, and in brackets, the best thing they could think of that Ron had been in was Blade 2. Oh, God. How dare you? <laughs> also, Richard Tyson from 3 O'Clock High, and hardcore Bob Holly. Yeah, you heard me. Holly, who was given little screen time, actually impressed me. In brackets, I'll take him over the rock any day. Mm. But the real saving graces are Perlman and Tyson. Tyson has one of the best lines in the film. When I want your opinion, I'll give it to you. That's just badass. <laughs> There's a shot of him with wild, crazy eyes and a burning American flag in the background. That's absolutely insane looking. And Perlman is at his best. Christ, I hope not. In this role, he's a B-movie actor with A-list talent who lends credibility to some bizarre flicks. Overall, the movie is effectively creepy. The direction is great, and it was way better than I expected. <laughs> Ron Perlman, star of Play True. You yes. Oh, uh, it's like guys... Mickey Rourke. Mickey Rourke, star of Get Carter. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, you got you got loads more than I got on it, so oh. I'm happy for it. I can't really add anything to it. What I will say about this whole 60 second segment is we get a graphic for hardcore holly in operation sandman warriors in hell it's on tomorrow i'm presuming it's on a, like a upn affiliate channel which is why they're so heavily promoting it because the reason i say that is because holly's in a straight to tv movie that's pretty <laughs> and then oh oh by the way throwaway comment China's not there tonight because she's taping an episode of Third Rock from the Sun, which is on season five, one of the hottest sitcoms, top 20 sitcoms of all time. And then, oh, she's on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. Right. She doesn't get a graphic, but Holly's shitty TV movie does. <laughs> yeah, The Tonight Show. She's on Third Almost Rock popular from the Sun things. and The Tonight Show. Oh, oh, oh enough about that. Here's Holly with Ron Perlman on the downswing in a TV movie about soldiers that don't sleep. I think it's they looked at China and went, yeah, she's supposed to be doing stuff like this because she's such a megastar. 
This is this is Harker Holly's one shot at, at Hollywood. <laughs> Which ironically was the gimmick he had in Smoky Mountain Wrestling. There was a cheeky little Easter egg there for you nerds. So yes, China's going to be in Third Rock from the Sun. Third Rock from the Sun went five seasons. Oh, it's six seasons. Yeah, it, it, God, it ran unreal. for a long time. She was quite good. She was good in this in Third Rock as well. I liked her in Third Rock from the Sun. Wow. Oh. The only thing I know about that was when Power Slam did a feature on wrestlers and acting, and they said China was in Third Rock from the Sun, and she acted as well as she wrestled. <laughs> Probably a bit harsh, but probably true at the same time. Yeah, but the Tonight Show, that that is mainstream American TV. That's exactly. huge. I have no wait. That can't be on UPN then. I only just maybe that's it. I, my my assumption was it must have been on a UPN channel or a UPN affiliate. Like that, like why right. they would be. Sorry, Americans, by the way, who were like, "How do you not know this?" Um, it was on NBC. Is it NBC? They're the NBC? same as UPN. Who knows? God. Well, either way, either way, right? From there, anyway. <clears throat> from there, we get asked, we get the match, which I feel something, something went a bit awry here. Like this, this whole setup didn't quite seem to click. So talk us through it. So, as we said before, the Hollies, both of them, are taking on Jericho in a match where Jericho has one hand behind his back, and it's no DQ. So the Hollies think great. Meets back on the menu, lads. And 10 seconds of the match. They're kicking the hell out of Jericho. They're going, this is easy, this. And who should emerge but the APA? That's right. Officially on SmackDown, the Acolytes are now the Acolyte Protection Agency. Come out and destroy the Hollies. And God, bouncing Crash Holly like he's a pog. And Jericho, after Crash Holly takes a few moves where he bumps around, Jericho runs to get the pin. <laughs> Gets a laugh out of the Texas crowd. Very easy here. Just a SmackDown debut of the APA. And I think this was a good way of getting the concept across. Jericho's lured them into a thing of false security just so he could, hey, hey, look, I've paid for the APA to come in and do a run in. They can do that for anybody if you pay them. But you don't seem to agree with this, Tom, so I'm excited to hear what you have to say. It just it didn't click because I think I think because there was a there was a there was a cue snafu, because APA's music sort of started halfway through. So and I think like stuff like music cues is so important when you're doing something like this, like a run in, and I it just stuck out to me as somebody who dabbles in audio stands out to me because the for me like the it was like the punch the the uh, the the moment of the match needed to be as Jericho surrounded by the Hollies. You have that done. Dun-dun, which makes the crowd Pavlovian respond and go, oh, ha-ha, I see what he's done here. It also needed a segment or something that was worth setting up. I don't know. Um, but the fact that the music was cued badly, so you just you can almost see somebody turn the fader up as it's halfway through the song, and then the APA sort of already doddering out as it was. Just felt a little bit... It just it didn't click for me. I know what they were trying to do, but it didn't quite flow, in my opinion. I don't know why this was this was even happening in the first place. I disagree. You get because oh, the right. acolytes have they're not that this isn't established as uh, a thing yet. This is the establishment. They don't have a theme song yet, and so I think the fact that this running out and so they can explain. Look, this is their new gimmick now. They're cool now, guys. They have the agency, and just you wait till the backstage segments. 
start happening. I mean, maybe you're right. They could have had the the little segment with the little door frame and the playing poker and stuff like that. But maybe we had that on Raw and we just didn't see it. Yeah, maybe, maybe I, I'm willing to be the better obscure company and uh, figure it out soon. I like Crash Holly. So after that. We go backstage and Triple H is assuring X-Pac they'll be okay tonight because Kane can't beat X-Pac and Kane can't beat Triple H in singles matches. So he'll have no chance of them again a handicap match. <laughs> and the segue for this is Milk presents Kane. Who's getting a look at the return of him on Raw. It's good for strong bones. Which is funny because he has a good penis. That's good. Hopefully, Milk won't turn on me this week. <laughs> Imagine if Milk turned on you. It would be... He goes to drink from the carton. He knocks it back and he spits it out, looks at it. But the, da- the, the date is like yesterday. No, not Milk too. <laughs> milk has turned on <laughs> When, when milk turns, is is did a wrestling fan come up with that terminology? The idea that milk becomes a heel when you can't drink it. <laughs> I'll say so. Let's say so. <laughs> uh, still recovering from that. Anyway, we get the main event tonight: Kane versus X Park and Triple H. Kane attacks X Park, but he scarpers in the crowd. So Kane chases him until they head back to the ring. And Triple H sneak attacks with a uh, clothesline off the apron that anybody could have seen. <laughs> uh, Cole expresses his disdain for X-Pac stealing his girlfriend because... And I've written here, say the line, Tom. It was a setup all along. No, I'm kidding. Because um, he's a big red retard? The other line, Tom. Hippity hoppity women of oh, property. Oh, God. That was the one. I should have done a better job setting that up. I'm sorry, Tom. <laughs> Justin Henry would have got it. <laughs> well, why don't you give him a kiss? I can't. He's asleep. It's American kiss, time. Kiss him anyway. Hippity hoppity Justin's property. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening oh. for the first time, the hippity hoppity line is based on the, the, the treatment of female characters in this time period where they are basically either damsels in distress or slags. And there is nothing in the middle. There is no grey matter. It is either they are helpless damsels in distress or they are slags. And either way, either way, they are for some reason subservient to men. There's That's that's it. That's what it's all about. Like even China, who is the strongest, probably, probably the strongest female character on the show, is buddy-buddy with Chris Jericho and soon enough will end up being subservient to a man. <laughs> so... It is it is a, a, a terrible, terrible bit of history and, and one that I'm glad that we're kind of over to the greater extent. Wonderfully put, Tom. I feel like I needed yeah. to fill in the blank in case somebody's listening for the first time and wondering why we're just throwing out the line hippity hoppity women of property. Uh, well, we'll see. <laughs> so, Kane gets pounded by both men. Wow, you think he was on fire or something? Oh, sorry, Kane. <laughs> Not much to say in this match apart from that. Uh, Kane gets double teamed until he isn't. 
makes his own comeback and connects to the top rope clothesline and then chokeslams a diving X-Pac. Triple H gets a chokeslam too, but he doesn't like that. So Cheshire from Triple H, who just decides to ignore the, ch- the chokeslam for some reason. Uh, the match is over, but Kane no-sells the chair and Triple H does a wonderful job of turning around and going like, yeah, I hit Kane with the chair. And then just turns around and sees Kane still stood there. And he's like, whoa, why are you all not on the floor? This would have totally worked on ECW Hardcore Revolution for the Nintendo 64 available now. <laughs> Kane chair shots Triple H. And then Toy runs in to attack Kane so they can make their runaways. But then he goes to attack her. And the referees run in to take their shots instead. So Kane decks them all with the crowd now rabid. And he sets up the choke slam on Tori with Paul Bearer going, do it, do it. Do it. Like the Emperor himself. Do it. Do it. Screw it. Or maybe do doing it. like a David, David Crockett. Choke her, choke her like a dog. <laughs> but he can't do it. He lets her go as the crowd goes, Nwah. and then Tori's like, I'm sorry, Kane, I still love you. I'm really sorry for turning on you. Turning on you like bread that's been left out in the sun for a week. Turning on you like milk. Turning on you like milk. And then Ken goes, Ken goes, ah, sod it. Grabs her and then tombstones the life out of her. And that is your smackdown going off the air as the crowd are absolutely losing their minds. Because if you loved intergender action and women getting attacked, you'd love WWF 2000. BB through a table, May Young, Angle Slam, Tory, Tubestone. It's all here. And it's all for kids. Oh god. <laughs> oh god. Smackdown. That was SmackDown. Tom, what was something that you remembered? I remember Kurt Angle's first title win. That was the bit that stuck out to me. It was an important part of history and he would uh he would double double down on this to become the Eurocontinental champion. Spoiler! But it was nice to see this bit of time begin. Like, Kurt Angle immediately, the moment he won the belt, he immediately felt like a legit European champion. Like, he, he brought a legitimacy to that belt, which I really liked. What did you remember? I remembered thinking at the time, wow, the Radicals are going to be completely different wrestling style to the rest of the people in WF. But now that we've had the benefit of watching these every week and getting back to what used to be mid-card WWF, it was Gangrel flying around the place trying to do clotheslines or Test Break in a Schneb or Prince Albert and Bossman doing a thing. And then suddenly these four, these three and a half guys <laughs> show up and it really is the wind of change for the WWF mid-card. It really, and it's really it's a hell of a thing to see as, as it's happening because, like I said, Saturn versus Grandmaster Sexay. I had more to type about that than any other match that's happened on SmackDown. I think there was lo- yeah, there was yeah, agreed, agreed. You love to see it. You love to see it. Absolutely. So that's the thing I remembered. What's the thing that you forgot? I forgot Tory got tombstoned because I remember I, when I watched this, I remember seeing Kane holding her in the choke slam for ages. And then I remember thinking, oh, this is SmackDown. And we're at this point already now with SmackDown where very rarely, you, you, where already you're sort of conditioned to go, there's no real storyline development on SmackDown. It's a lot of the time just maintaining the status quo for when we get to Raw. You know, so there's nothing. So I thought, okay, she's going to get tombstone either at Raw 
or on a pay-per-view. Which is the show slammed at Raw or on a pay-per-view. And no, they did the tombstone here. I totally forgot. And it, and it was massive. And then the, the pop was ridiculous. I thought this crucial moment in the storyline happened on Raw. I just, or maybe not, not thought, assumed that it happened on Raw. Because SmackDown is already like the B show. As, as, as far as I can see. So that was a nice surprise. A grim surprise, but a surprise nonetheless. Uh, what did you forget, Matthew? I also forgot that. I'm surprised they did that considering Kane versus X-Pac would continue to feud up until WrestleMania 2000. So that was a shock. Yeah. Uh, I'll go with Hardcore Holly. Main event of <laughs> Operation Sandman, Warriors in Hell, which I could not find a link to. I don't think it was released on video or DVD or anything like it that. It was released but... on VHS, but it's currently oh, bloody hell, was it? <laughs> on, on eBay on Amazon. You can't buy it. Oh, I know. I was devastated. If you happen to have a copy of Operation Sandman Warriors in Hell, let's talk about uploading it. I need to see Holly's acting debut. Look, Holly, a sniper. It's okay. I've got him. Guy's head explodes and Harley looks at the camera and goes, yeah, how do you like me now? <laughs> <laughs> and it's on that bombshell where we say, he is at Matthew Gregg on Twitter. I am at Tom Campbell on Twitter. Together, we are at Cultaholic on Twitter. Uh, if you do receive my email, please, 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 Eric at Master South. Call me, baby. Love you, bye. Bye-bye. We're off to do Operation Sandman ourselves by trying to watch Sandman versus Sabu and try not to fast forward. Good night. <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. <laughs> <laughs>